listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Beltway Beef podcast. This is Ashley, and today I'm joined by Dustin Aheron, and he's the vice president of Rabo Research. Uh, Dustin, we're happy to have you on the podcast today. Hello, Ashley. It's great to be with you. Well, today we're going to talk about a topic that's been on the minds of a lot of folks in the cattle industry lately, and that's expanding processing capacity. And uh, Dustin, I feel like you know a little bit about that and love to just pick your brain on on all the things you know and and all the things you do uh, regarding that topic through your current role. But first, would love to hear a little bit about your background in the cattle industry. Sure. So, I grew up in Phillipsburg, Kansas, which is in Northwest or North Central Kansas, depending on where you draw your line. Primarily grew up in the seed stock sector, but uh, spent some time, well, spent every summer through college working in feed yards, Uh, went to Russia for a summer on a large cattle breeding project over there, and currently still serve on the American Galvey Association's board of directors. And at, at one point in there was a feed yard sales rep for an animal health company in Western Kansas before going back to grad school at K-State and getting a PhD from the Beef Cattle Institute. Wonderful. Well, yeah, certainly bringing a lot of expertise to the conversation today and diverse background. Um, But if you could just kind of dive into why this topic is such a big conversation nowadays and and why it's on the forefront of folks' minds. So the the challenges we faced in 2020 with COVID are no secret to anybody. The slowdowns and and shutdowns of, of packing plants, both from COVID and then previously in 2019 with the, the whole complaint fire, really highlighted something that had been developing for, for several years, and that's the, the balance of packing capacity relative to fed cattle supplies. I think when our beef production system is, is really humming and working smoothly, I think we can take for granted what it takes to turn cattle into beef. Cattle are our one input into that equation. Other parts would be physical facilities, labor, technology. And with both COVID and the packing plant fire, we saw extreme disruptions in the ability to turn cattle into beef. With that, we saw obviously a a collapse in, in cattle prices. Unfortunately, with fed cattle, there's not a lot of alternative uses uh, other than harvesting and and turning into beef. So the value of those animals when we can't get them harvested is going to decline. But 2020 really brought the, the microscope onto this issue. But I think to really understand it, we need to, to zoom out a little bit and, and think about the dynamics of the industry over the last 15 to 20 years. In the, the early to mid 2000s, we had a lot more cattle numbers than we do today. And then as we got into a liquidation phase of the previous cattle cycle, much of that was, was very steep 
especially in the early 2010s with extreme drought situations. And we went from processing about 27, 28 million steers and heifers in the mid 2000s down to 22, 23 million head in 2014 and 2015. So as we saw that major liquidation, we had excess, excuse me, we had excess slaughter capacity. The, and the competition for those limited cattle supplies really drove the most inefficient plants out of business. The average operating income per head from 2002 to 2014 for, for packers was actually a loss of about $10 per head. So it's really no surprise that we saw some plants close and, and some participants exit the market. Since that time, in the last several years, we've seen cattle numbers expand by about 6 million head uh, where they peaked uh, in 2019 uh, in the mid 90s uh, in terms of million head total cattle supplies. And so at the same time, we have not seen an expansion in, in cattle processing capacity to accompany that expansion in cattle numbers. Well, appreciate that background. I feel like that really helps us see kind of the whole scope of the issue here. And so at the end, you touched on, we haven't seen that expansion in um, processing capacity. What are the biggest challenges for folks who are wanting to expand processing capacity or uh, start a new processing plant in general? Well, there are, are a number of challenges. I'd say that the immediate challenge that precludes even getting into the, the next set of challenges is available capital. Our estimate is that it takes about 100 to $120 million upfront to build a thousand head capacity, daily capacity. So that boils down to about $100,000 per head uh, on a daily basis. So not only is it expensive to build up front, but this is a high risk endeavor. And with the cyclical nature of the beef industry and cattle numbers, these plants really need to be able to survive a full cattle cycle because cattle numbers are going to decline and profitability will be challenged when cattle numbers do decline. And being able to survive those times is, is tough. Not to mention all the complex regulatory processes and labor challenges that go along with, with packing and cattle processing, beef processing. So we really need to be able to not only have enough capital to build a plant or expand, but to survive a full cattle cycle. Well, that makes sense. And I feel like as a lot of things in agriculture, capital being the, the biggest challenge. Um, so we know in general that, you know, the agriculture industry is good for rural economies. And so can you touch a little bit on why expanding processing capacity 
could be good for those rural communities and those rural economies. So if we expand processing capacity within a rural community, I think there's a couple areas where it can have a positive impact. One of the direct sales from that plant would end up getting spent throughout that community. Uh, some of the estimates I've seen would say that the, the economic sales multiplier uh, for meat processing within a state is about 1.5 to 2. Another factor is that as we expand packing capacity, that tends to drive up prices for cattle themselves. And beef producers are a, a major part of rural communities, and the, the more profitable cattle producers are, the more dollars are spent within those local economies and the more you know, invigorated those, those rural communities are. Great, well, it sounds like, um, you know, expanding processing capacity is, is kind of a, a win-win for, you know, the industry and, and for rural communities. And that's been something we've been saying at NCBA for a pretty long time. And we've been advocating for um, the Direct Act and that was recently introduced in the House. Um, so just wondering if you could touch on, you know, what the impact of the Direct Act um, would be to the industry if it was implemented. So I do want to say that I'm not an expert in uh, meat inspection, food safety, and I know that's a part of this conversation. But if, if we set that aside and assume that the, the food safety aspect is good to go and you know that discussion has been had i think expanding direct to consumer sales in an e-commerce online marketplace is really an opportunity for producers to diversify income establish some some niche markets and really help build relationships with beef consumers. So not only does it allow an alternative revenue stream for producers, but anytime we can build a positive relationship with beef consumers, that's good for beef demand in general. Uh, and that's going to, to benefit the entire industry. Whether or not it really has an impact from a packing capacity standpoint. I think there's some question to that. It, you know, it's, it takes a lot of small, I'm gonna call them local lockers or, or micro plants to add up to packing capacity uh, expansion opportunities. But I will say there are a number of expansion opportunities underway uh, right now. Our, our estimate is that, you know, publicly announced expansion plans for fed cattle are somewhere in the range of 6,000 head per day. And if we can keep uh, beef cow numbers above 30.5 million in the next few years, I think there's real opportunity for those expansions to maintain profitability in the packing sector while still helping to, to rebalance some of that margin across the entire beef supply chain. 
Well, this is a conversation that, you know, judging from the conversation we had today and, and from what you said, this is a, a really important thing for the industry to continue to discuss and, and continue to try to implement solutions. So we really appreciate uh, you bringing your perspective and your expertise to the podcast today. And we're thankful that you joined us. Absolutely, Ashley. It was a pleasure. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify at Beltway Beef, also on Twitter at Beltway Beef. We'll see you next time.